Hey everyone, welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning and I am so excited that you joined me for another episode of the podcast. You're listening to episode 57 and today we are getting a little bit planty. Let me explain. I'm speaking with one of my favorite inspiring voices, Dusty Hagee. Rooted in Olympia, Washington and living a beautiful biblical botanical life, her heart beats for the growth process. Healthy growth is hard and with her tender love for houseplants and God's people, Dusty knows this all too well. Through motherhood, entrepreneurship, houseplant education, personal growth, however God has called you to grow, Dusty is here to inspire and cheer you on. Seriously, Dusty is a houseplant expert with scads of resources for you to till through. She is the founder of Houseplant Academy, a place where you can learn how to best love your chlorophyll friends. She is also the host of a wonderful show, Grow Well Podcast. I first connected with Dusty's when I had a few houseplants of mine die and was looking for a better solution. Grow Well Podcast helped me do just that, and so I had to have her on the show and I'm so excited to be sharing with you her story. What I love most about Dusty is that she is amazing in helping us see the beautiful parallels between plant growth and human growth all through God's design. God is here to teach us so much through nature and I love that she's constantly talking about it. Dig in friends, here is the fun dirt on entrepreneur and houseplant expert Dusty Hagee. I have never recorded at 9.30 p.m. (laughs) Yeah, it's way later for you. It's always hard to ask people if they're cool with it later at night because I am in the Pacific time zone, so everybody's at least an hour ahead of me most of the time at minimum. Is that what you're finding, that the more people that you're working with in this creative space slash plant space, that the more people that you're communicating with in that space, are they outside of your area? Yeah, there's a pretty wide variety, I think, in every time zone the longer I've spent in the like entrepreneurial space the more time zones I feel like I accumulate (laughs) like what relationships with people in you know are you originally from Washington yeah so I have grown up in Washington in like the north coast of Washington so right by Olympia we're actually 30 minutes out we'll be moving to Olympia so just 30 minutes away in the next like month or so we've always been in this area I went to see Mount St. Helens when I was a kid and loved it and I also saw Mount Hood and that on Honestly, I loved Mount Hood so much more because it just took my breath away. It was so beautiful. Mount Hood is pretty phenomenal. All of Oregon is incredible. Okay, shoot. Hold on. Is that Oregon? Yeah, but Mount St. Helens is Washington and Mount Hood is Oregon. All the Pacific Northwest feels and looks very similar. I didn't mean to mess up my geography. I thought that both of those mountains were in the same place as Washington. No, Mount Hood is in Oregon. I'm pretty sure. Now I'm doubting myself. No, don't doubt yourself. You're native. The West Coast side of Oregon and the West Coast side of Washington really should be the same state. And the East Coast sides of Washington and Oregon should be the same. The difference between Oregon and Washington are very similar. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. I mean, it makes sense for the small amount of time that I've been there. Yes, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now, I want to know, did you and your husband grow up together in Washington or is he from a different state? He's from Washington also. Our story is kind of crazy. We didn't grow up together, but we kind of did. So we met when we were 15 or 16, I think 16, working at Black Lake Bible Camp. And that's actually where we're moving back to because I just got a job working there. So we're moving back, which is just 30 minutes out. But it feels kind of like we're coming home because we worked at Black Lake Bible Camp at as summer staff counselors and then I worked there in full-time staff for like an accumulative of like six or seven years I think and that's sort of how our relationship was built was working there and working together so that's how we met when working at Black Lake Bible Camp did you spend a lot of time outside yes oh my gosh so much time outside all the time how did you develop such a love for nature and plants because I think you should explain to everyone a little bit about what you do I'm kind of having trouble like defining what you do because you do so much when I started listening to the grow well Mm -hmm. podcast I was thinking about you have like a houseplant academy you're a mom you're a wife you're also like an entrepreneur also ministry tied into everything I tell people that I am a houseplant educator but really I do more than that so I am a houseplant educator 
educator. I also am a marketing and business strategist. And so I help work with people to plan like launches and marketing strategy and website development that will convert to sales. And so that's the job that I just got working at Black Lake Bible Camp is like working with marketing and communications. And that is a deep love. I love marketing. I love the like science and art of sales and copywriting. Like I love that stuff so much. And then my businesses through Houseplant Academy and through Grow Well Podcast is I teach people how to keep their houseplants alive. But for me, it's like so much deeper than that. Let me back up a little bit. My love of houseplants began when I was like really little. My parents divorced when I was really young and it was a really rough and rocky divorce that lasted a long, long time before anything was ever finalized. And anytime parents split up, it's traumatic and it's hard. That's just not how God designed marriage to be. And so when we're breaking that, it's just hard and it's, it's painful no matter the circumstances. I think that divorce is something that is so common now that we don't always recognize the like weight and the pain that comes behind that from all parties involved. Not one person is benefiting from this process. In the end, hopefully things end healthier and God redeems all things, which is something that is so prevalent in my story. That is kind of where it began. And as far back as that, which I was really little, maybe five or six. And my mom really, really loves plants. My mom and my grandma, I ended up, my dad got custody of my brother and I, which is exactly how God ordained it. And I'm so grateful. But those moments that I did get to spend with my mom, because she had like visitations. So we would go and visit her, my brother and I, she was almost always creating or gardening. She was working on some piece of art or she was had her hands in the dirt and was planting a garden and I immediately latched on because that was my way of being able to connect with her because the time we saw her was so limited that I immediately was like all the way in I was ready to like be creative and be right by her side doing whatever she was doing I wanted to do that thing that creative need for me and that gardening thing is so so strong in me and through that God has just revealed and taught me so much and showed me that there is really maybe a mindfulness is the right word or like strength that comes from being able to see the beauty of appreciating the growth process because all growth happens from a place of uncomfortableness and from a place of stress and from a place of hardship growth isn't like a simple process where one thing happens and then the next thing happens. Growth in humans and in plants and in relationships, like in all things happens from a culmination of so many life experiences and so many cells working together and so much happening all at once. And then the growth happens. God has revealed so much to me in what it means to grow well um, and what it means to appreciate the growth process and what it means to rest after the growing has happened. So yeah, that's kind of the nutshell version of what I do. And then Houseplant Academy, I have a houseplant course called Get Planty. And it's like a deep dive into the basic of houseplant care. Which is so amazing because I don't know anyone else who's doing that besides maybe a website that I can get in 250 words or less, a kind of idea of what to do, which does not feel helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that you make it so personal and it's a ministry at the same time. I think anytime that we get outside in nature, and even if that is as simple as putting something on our desk or on a shelf, it reminds us of all the things that you you just shared about of how we serve a God of detail and we serve a God of life. And he's always in the process of growing Mm -hmm. something, whether that's in the pruning or whether that's in the scattering of seeds. How did you know though, that you wanted to take this and make it into a business? I say the word business very loosely. I mean, it's evident in what you do. It's more than generating, you know, an income. It's your heart is in this. Just from watching you online and even through the podcast, I feel like you'd be doing this whether you're getting paid or not. Yes. And actually, I'm not getting paid very much, if at all. <laughs> it really is hobby business. I am very business minded. Like I love business. That is the thing that I am up late at night learning about. I'm constantly listening to like business books and marketing books. And I love learning about the science of sales. I'm constantly doing that. And so I'm the kind of person who would turn a business out of like popsicle stand. I will make anything a business because I love it so much. And I was trying so hard to be careful about the way that I approached it because I've had two past businesses that I really loved doing, but God has just really pruned and refined me and and has shown me the power of taking things slow and not like letting my head go faster than my feet and just being able to kind of try and pursue him. And that doesn't mean that those past two businesses were failures. It doesn't mean Mm. that, I mean, I certainly failed a lot, but that doesn't mean that those ideas and those concepts that I had were bad. It just means that there is like growth is hard. Growth takes trial and error. Giving you this whole story, it's just hot off the press. So this is actually the very first time I'm really sharing most of it with anyone. Well, thank you. I'm honored and bringing 
it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Good, because buckle up. It's a big, it's a big thing. I have been feeling really uncomfortable. Like something was off for a very, very long time. For I would say like a year. And so I've been doing this for like houseplants for about two years. My dream as I began was to open a brick and mortar houseplant um, shop. If I'm honest, I still really, really want that. Like I still want a plant shop, but God is showing me that that just not, not where he's taken me. And maybe he'll bring that up later if God provides the resources and the time and says, here it is. Now you just fill it with plants and sell them. I will be on board. But I don't really think that's what's going to happen. God has, I think, been sort of letting me down easy because I have really built up this dream for a really long time and was really holding on to it. And it's a good dream. Like it's so good for us to dream and it's so good for us to be creative and to use those muscles God gave us resources and those desires for a reason and it's good to dream but it's not good to dream when it's on our own accord when it's not God holding our hand the whole way and I do think I was holding God's hand and saying okay God refine my dream but I think that he was doing exactly that I could feel that I was just uncomfortable for a long time I was really frustrated I've been a stay-at-home mom since my daughter was born and that whole process the like transition into becoming a mother was really really traumatic for me Mm. I nearly died my daughter could have died it it was like a whole story in and of itself and we can totally talk about that later but like it was just a really hard sort of entrance into motherhood and then to be entered into motherhood in a way that you feel really trapped at home and feel really uncomfortable in your own skin and those early years of motherhood feel drowning they feel really difficult and they feel really hard I don't think they have to feel that way but I do think maybe we've not done a great job at equipping parents to navigate those years very well Mm. I'm seeing a lot of really cool men and women come out with resources to help parents navigate that better and set more realistic expectations of that time period, which is really incredible. I was feeling really uncomfortable and I was just sobbing in the shower, like ugly, messy, crying, sobbing in the shower. And my husband walked into the bathroom and I was like trying really hard to like put myself together so he couldn't hear me sobbing. And I was at least like, well, at least the shower like glass door is closed and he can't see me like sobbing in here. It's not that I like want to hide from him, but also I didn't want to like open up this big conversation about how I felt uncomfortable and I wanted things to change, but I didn't know what I wanted them to change to. Sometimes you're just not ready to talk. Yeah, well, I was ready to talk, but I didn't know what the next step was. Like I couldn't come to him and be like, these things are wrong here's what I think we should do next can we make that happen please (laughs) it was kind of like I think something is wrong I think we should do something next maybe I'm not really sure what's happening but I feel unsettled and so I didn't have like a a good ending to the conversation in mind like I couldn't figure out how I could bring this up in a way and I had tried in the past but it was always messy and like I didn't know what I wanted so I couldn't convey that to him so it just ended up being like I would just stop talking or like you know what I mean it's just hard to communicate if you don't know what you're communicating yeah but so anyways I thought I was safe behind this glass shower door and I was not he opened the door just a tiny bit just to like give me a kiss and be like I love you I'm gonna go do something whatever and he saw that I was sobbing and he was like what is happening and I just like word vomited everything on him I like got out of the shower and wrapped myself up in a towel and just like said everything like I feel uncomfortable I don't know why I don't know what I want to do I kind of think I want to get a job like I'm tired of being in the house I love our girls I don't want them to go away but I also can't stay here like I just all of it all at once right on his face and poor Brian was like okay I didn't see any of this coming at all. This is crazy. Because we had everything that we'd always worked for. Two beautiful kids, a cozy home. My husband's job is really financially secure. I got to be a stay-at-home mom, which is what I thought I had always wanted. But something was off. So we argued and we fought about it. And we then we slowed down and talked about it. And we prayed about it. And we just asked God, after like a lot of time of talking and coming back around to a place of like agreement, yeah. just ask God like, okay, so either can you just help me to feel more comfortable... And just show me that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and just give me a peace and a comfort and a rest and just like help this anxiety to go away or show us exactly where to step next so that like wherever it is you want us to go, just show us that step so that it benefits not just like me, but also like my entire family, that it's just like a really seamless transition. And then the next night I had a dream that I was working at Blacklight Bible Camp. Mm -hmm. I passively, a couple of days later, said it to my friend who works there. I was like, oh, hey, I had this dream that I worked at camp again and it was really crazy and he was like oh actually I keep meaning to tell you we have this position open that you would be perfect for and now here I am come on later working there pretty crazy yeah so if I we had this conversation like three weeks ago I would have given you the spiel about how my dream is to open this brick and mortar and about how I really want to like progress this houseplant online courses I still want to do those things but it's pretty cool to see how God pivots our hearts when we are willing to accept an answer that might make us feel uncomfortable and leave 
lead us to like ugly crying in the shower. What would be your piece of advice and guidance that you would say to the person who just had to take that pivot step? I feel like I'm in a kind of a situation like that now too, where my husband and I are praying for guidance. That is encouraging just for me to hear that God spoke so clearly that we've been praying for an answer on kind of what to do with our next step. He's actually exiting his service in the Navy. And so it's just a little bit different for us, but that gives me so much hope that you heard so clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important to say that like I had been feeling uncomfortable and been praying for God and asking him to show me where to go next for over a year. Yeah. And I talked about it with Brian and Brian and I had have always been like, okay, God, just show us where to go next. The real version of the story was like a year, year and a half. And so even if you're not seeing the results in a timely manner, in a manner that feels right, just hold hope because God is there and God does want what's best for you. I think it's, we're quick to think, oh, well, I think God called me here, but now he's calling me here. So that means he probably never called me to that place in the first place. And I was being disobedient. And I don't think that that's always true. I think actually most of the time that that's not true. Mm. I do believe that God has called me into the space of houseplants. I have learned so much and I, I intend on keeping that. I'm just going to dial it back and let it be a hobby business that it's kind of always been and just feel a lot of joy and let it be a passion project and just let God have control of that. I think my error was trying to white knuckle it and try and make it something that it wasn't or getting defensive when somebody said something that didn't feel right to me. Like if somebody said, oh, you just have a hobby business. Like my husband said that to me out of kindness, not out of anger or anything, but just, you know, that it was a hobby business. I would start to feel really defensive because I was working on it. Like it wasn't my real business and it was my real business. Yeah. Now that I have the freedom to like, let it be a hobby business. I already am enjoying it so much more. Wow. There's not quite as much pressure. I still get to contribute to our family in other ways. Like I still get to use those creative and business muscles that I love to use in other ways. It's given me a lot of freedom. And the thing I hope people take away the most is that just because God called you to one place and it didn't go as long as you thought doesn't mean he didn't ask you to do those things. And it doesn't mean you still weren't walking in faith and in obedience, even if he tells you to shift halfway through. That is absolutely the truth because I think we can be so confused and we want to know why. Why, God, did you call me to dream mm-hmm. that big in that season? And I'm sure there was a reason. And honestly, it probably wouldn't have grown to what it is today where you can keep it as a hobby business and building what you had. If you you didn't white knuckle it. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if God was good, was asking you like, will you put in the work? You're obviously putting in the work. I also wouldn't have gotten this marketing job. That's kind of my dream job. If I hadn't have been practicing and implementing things that I'm learning that I have learned for the last six years in these last two years, I've really put a lot of those things into practice and have seen really great results, like really impressive results. And it's only because I've spent those last six years of learning and because I was willing to like do the work, even when I wasn't seeing financial results or I was seeing financial results, but I wasn't feeling like those emotional results that we expect. We expect to reach X financial number and then be like, yes, I reached my goal. I'm amazing. Things are great. And then it's not like that. You're just exhausted because you just ran a huge launch and you're tired and you're frustrated. It's hard to meet our expectations up with reality. But when we hold God's hand through that process, he can sort of soften those blows for us and kind of just guide us along and allow him to put our feet down when we're having a hard time picking our feet up because we're so stuck in one spot. Do you speak outside of the podcast? For example, if someone was having a night of worship or they Mm -hmm. were having like group gathering, are you speaking into those events? I'm not right now. I have in the past. I would really love to be like a speaker someday. I have a million ideas per the usual. I'm sure God will prune those out for me. Well, the reason I'm asking because I was like, man, like I just feel like I'm, you're like preaching at me. Like I'm listening to all these things. I'm like, I'd be like, take, I'm taking notes and I'm just, I could see you doing really well in that setting. I hope to someday. Granted, I know that the podcast obviously is your space where you're doing that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? How Grow Well started? Yes. Grow Well started actually as Get Planty, which is funny because now that's the name of my signature houseplant course. I was like debating on what I wanted to call the course. And I was like, man, Get Planty makes so much more sense for this course. Through Grow Well, I do talk a whole, whole, whole bunch about plants. And I feel like a lot of houseplant care is given in like very vague terms. Somebody says water once a week. Well, okay. That's not helpful to me at all because how much water? What if it's more sunny or less sunny? Like how do I actually know how much to water? And what if my plant is bigger than your plant? Or what if my plant is a different species than your plant? Saying water once a week is just the most vague, unhelpful piece of information. Yeah you could get. And so I wanted to create a space where people could come in with questions like, 
when do I water my plant that seemed pretty basic and simple and could be given like a real scientific answer that didn't feel overwhelming that was led with 100% grace. But that also laced in God created plants and God created nature to spoil us. He did not have to create any of that. He could have created Adam, Eve, buildings. We don't need nature, but he gave it to us as a gift. Like he wove it into our being. It means a whole lot to him. And furthermore, it goes to reflect his majesty and his love and his grace. If you go through scripture, there is so many parallels, so many teachings using elements of nature like trees and seeds to represent to us some really big spiritual and just life in general lessons. And it's because we can relate to nature. It's because nature is so much a part of who we are as humans because it's so important to God and therefore it's so important to us. And so I wanted a space where I could give really practical, deep answers to houseplant questions and really equip people Mm -hmm. to learn about plants. And then also provide them with some more backstory to show them why plants matter and why it's good that you want houseplants in your space and like why it's okay to spend money on a plant or to not spend money on a I don't know. I just wanted a space where we could have a really honest conversation about it. That's how Grow Well came to be. It's changed and been refined in all sorts of ways to put where it is today. And actually, I only have one more episode and then I'm wrapping up Grow Well and I'm not going to be adding any more episodes to it. And I'm actually really sad about it. I didn't think that I would be, but I am really sad about it. I'll keep those episodes up forever. It doesn't cost me any money to keep them live and I'll use them as a reference point. Let it be a really, really great sort of chapter of this houseplant story. But with a full-time job underway, I got to cut back a little bit. Those are one of the things I'm cutting back. I am, however, going to be leaning into still speaking and still sharing my stories and stuff through Instagram. My Instagram that correlates with Grow a Podcast is called Houseplant Academy. It's just like at Houseplant Academy. Okay. And there I'll be starting to share more like IGTV videos and stuff like that with a lot of really specific houseplant advice. And then on my personal Instagram at Dusty Heggy, I'll be talking a little bit more about the personal growth side and a little bit more about business side, things like that. I'm going to equip you all with all of the links that will be in the show notes for you guys to be able to follow Dusty and to get plugged in. Don't worry about that. If you didn't catch it, it'll be in the show notes for you guys. And oh my goodness, like my heart is breaking. I feel like I have to favor the episodes that I haven't listened to because I just found it and have binge listened to many of them just because I feel like you do such a well job of interviewing and you have very interesting guests. I loved learning about the lady who I hope that I pronounced this right. I was like Vahaley who did the the fragrances. Yeah, that one is such a good episode. Vahaley is her business name. Yes, I would have never learned about how we need to be using natural fragrances and the beauty that they have. And also she she helped me understand why my perfume is sticky. So sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm being more aware of the stuff that I'm putting on my body. Even in general, though, I think one of the things that by listening to you, you talk about all this process of caring for plants and what they actually need and how every plant is very specific to what will make it grow mm-hmm. the best and live the most vibrant life. I think about that along with all of the different names and the different characteristics that God gave each plant. And I think about if he is designed a special way for the plants, then there's a very specific way that we need to be taking care of ourselves. And the only way that we can find that is by seeking his direction, obviously, to know that it's specific. Yeah, that's right. If I put, um, let's say, apothos. Some people say pothos. Um, Another common name is devil's ivy. They're really, really common, really good beginner houseplant. Like if you don't have a houseplant, but you want a houseplant, but you don't know anything about it, get apothos. And they're also my favorite. And I'll tell you all about why in a sec. But let's say you get apothos. I could put that two, four-inch size pothos. So that's like the small size of a pothos plant. Typically you could buy at a nursery or at a hardware store or something. If I could put one in my living room and one on the opposite side of my house in my bedroom, and they're both going to require different amounts of water because they're both going to receive different amounts of light. And light is the catalyst Mm. for all plant growth. I would argue light is the catalyst for all human growth as well. If we're pulling through that analogy of like, God is light, God is love. I think that that's a really, really beautiful way that God has just reminded us again and again, how much we need him in literally every area of our lives. You could get a pothos or the same of any kinds of plant. 
and have them in different rooms of your house and they are still going to require slightly different amounts of water, they would just use them a little bit less. The best way I can describe it is say you're at a water park and it's pouring down rain outside. It's like, I don't know, 40, 50 degrees, not really hot, not freezing cold. And you're playing around in this water park, it's pouring down rain. You could probably play all day long, go on all the water slides and not really need a drink of water. You'd probably be just fine. But if you're at the same exact water park and let's say it's 90 degrees outside and it's like super hot and super sweaty, you best be drinking water before and after every water slide. So much more water. And the same is true for plants. The difference is plants need light and water to metabolize. They eat light and they eat water. We don't eat light that does like affect how much water we need. Wow, it's interesting. They eat water. Did you ever think about going into the scientific field? Your brain has to be just a library full of knowledge. Thank you. <laughs> Why did you decide to go this route? Yeah, so I have always just been really good at caring for plants. I don't know. I just can do it. I was trying to find something I could do in the business world where honestly it was lower state. The business I had in the past was a women's ministry. I was just feeling really heartbroken. I can see now in retrospect that God really used me and used my successes and especially my failures to do some really incredible work. But I was at that time just feeling really disheartened and really heartbroken that it hadn't gone the way I wanted. And there was one person in particular who was really unhappy with the way I handled things. And I really, I just really let the words that she said tear me down for a long, long time. I don't think she meant anything by it, but it meant something to me. I was trying to find a a kind of a business, something I could do in the business world that would be a little bit lower stakes, not as heavy, but still be fun, still a way I can practice and implement some all the business tools that I was learning. And so I was talking to Brian about it, trying to brainstorm what I could do. And Brian, my husband, was like, well, what would you do for free every day of your life? And I was like, well, garden, but gardening isn't like a real job. Mm. And he's like, how do you think the whole world eats, Dusty? Oh, (laughs) so gardening is actually a pretty serious job. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a farming country. I have no idea why I didn't even comprehend that. And so I knew I didn't really want to do vegetable gardening because I didn't have the space to actually garden vegetables or do kinds of outdoor gardening. I could do like container gardening and on a really small scale. At the time we were living like in like a mother-in-law house, like a a lower basement apartment in his parents' house. So my in-laws house. So like we just didn't have a lot of space. I was like, well, I could do houseplants instead. So that's what I did. That's how it all sort of started. I have always wanted to do a degree in like horticulture and I would love that someday to happen and maybe it will, maybe it won't. For now, I'm realizing I don't really need a degree to do a lot of the stuff that I want to do. Especially in the entrepreneurial world, it's kind of anybody's game. As long as you're willing to put in the work, as long as you're willing to like let the Lord lead and learn so much, just like be open and be humble to like just learning. Yeah. And so that's how I've learned everything now. I've read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've taken online courses, stuff like that. I don't think everyone carries that same spirit of being a lifelong learner. And I think when you have that, sometimes you don't necessarily need to mm-hmm. do formal education. I mean this with all respect because I, I relate. I was like, you're almost like a scrapper. Like you just get in yeah, there and you I just am. jump yep. in and you learn yeah. as much as you can and mm-hmm. like I'll do the rest. I appreciate that. I think that yeah. that is a, yeah. a wonderful quality. Hey friends, I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, Brave Witness Clothing. This is a up and coming clothing brand that I am beyond excited about. Here's what I love. They create custom clothing that encourages believers to dare to walk bravely and boldly in the life that God has called them to live. Through a combination of prophetic painting and custom art, they are creating amazing pieces for you to wear. I placed my own personal order with Brave Witness Clothing a month ago and I'm so excited to be receiving my jacket this week. I cannot wait to wear it about and of course I'm going to be sharing it with you guys. To connect with Brave Witness Clothing, please visit their Instagram site at Brave Witness Clothing. Get your custom clothing today. Again, they are so personal and creating the style that you want to reflect that also represents your faith. I'm so excited to be sharing this business with you and so thankful for their support of Still With You. Brave Witness Clothing. So I had two plants. They were a snake plant and I had them for two two years. So before my husband and I got married, I'd watched the movie 28 Days with Sandra Bullock and it was Mm -hmm. where 
you know, have you, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no, but I know what it is. It's set at a rehabilitation center. The rule was that they would get out of rehab and each person got a plant and if they could keep it for two years, then they could get a pet. And so I remember I had a house plant for a year before my husband and I decided to get a dog. And so that was when we were like engaged. So I was like, okay, I can take care of this house plant for a year that I'm ready to move up to a pet. Yeah, that's adorable. But then I moved and plants died like they didn't do well in transitioning to the other house Mm -hmm. and I felt like a failure and I know that it's time to start again I took the quiz that you have on your website which I feel like everyone should take because it gauges from what I understand like it gauges kind of like what Mm -hmm. your house space looks like and what matches you with the best plant and so I got a pepper face but what I really want to know about is I want to know about the golden pathos Mm -hmm. too. Golden pathos is absolutely one of my favorite plants. And here is the reason why. And it is because they are so adaptable, so forgiving, and very communicative. I'll explain what I mean by those things. All the time, if you go on Pinterest especially, you will see things marketed for easy care houseplants. Or you'll see plants that are like plants that live in no light, which doesn't make any sense. Literally every plant in the world needs light. Like literally every single one needs some form of light. So if you if you're seeing that on the a blog post that you're seeing, then that is your first sign that you should be looking for your education elsewhere. See a lot of things though for like easy care plants. That's not really a very good term to describe the care level that a plant might require. And here's why. It's because it sets you up to feel like a failure. Like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. snake plants are one of those plants that people always recommend as easy care plants. I recommend that plant to people all of the time for beginners. Constantly, I recommend that plant because it, it's very adaptive. I try really hard to not say to people, this is an easy care plant. What I do say is that they are adaptive, communicative, and forgiving. By adaptive, I mean primarily the factor we're looking for here is how adaptive they are in different levels of light. Light is the catalyst for houseplant growth, for all plant growth. Light kickstarts photosynthesis. And so photosynthesis is the process by which all plants creates its own food. So it's kind of like the solar panels to like create the energy to warm the house. Because of that, light is the most important factor to consider when you're picking a houseplant to bring into your home. And there are a lot of factors that are going to play with how much light you have available. I think an important thing to note here is that I'm not just saying just sunlight. The regular light from your fluorescent bulbs will help. But there's a lot of nuances to the study of light. And I have a lot of really, really great resources for that, especially on my podcast. I can't remember the episode number, but I had the guys from Soltech Solutions come on and they do artificial grow lights. They know so much more about the world of light than I could ever. Light is the most important factor to consider. So when you're picking an adaptable plant to bring into your home, if you want something that is easy care, heavy air quotes there, then you're looking at that factor first. So snake plants, pothos, a pepper face. A pepper face is a common name for a peperomia. That's the genus of the plant, but a lot of people will call them pepper face, peperomia, even though that's the whole genus. I'm getting off a little plenty tangent here. See, this is why I wanted her on. I mean, can you see? Don't you have a seven-day course? Yeah. So I have a free houseplant challenge and that's what you should really do first because then you know if you like learning from me first, it's going to give you a lot of basics. That's what I want to do with the golden pathos. So adaptive means in this situation that a golden pathos can adapt well to low levels of light all the way up to higher levels of light. If you bring a golden pathos into your home, it does pretty well in all of the those ranges of light. But because of that, you need to sort of be really mindful of how much you water it. Because we know that like light is the catalyst for growth. Light is the direct determiner of how much water a plant is going to receive. Say you bring a pothos into your home and it gets tons of light, it's going to need more water than it would if it had was in a space that was lower light. And another thing to keep in mind is that our expectations of that plant needs to change. So if you bring a plant and it's in a high light situation, it's going to grow faster. It's going to grow bigger leaves. It's going to grow those leaves more lush and close together. Whereas if you put it in a lower light setting, those leaves are going to grow a lot slower. They're going to grow much further apart and they're going to be much smaller leaves. It doesn't mean it's like bad growth. Like it's still probably a just fine, healthy plant. It's just not 
as lush yeah. as it would if it was in a higher light setting. So having the right expectations of what that kind of growth is going to look like, which I can't help but see some like personal growth parallels here. I think a really great parallel is in a busy season. When we're in a really, really busy season, or the thing that comes to my mind first is like those early years of motherhood. Everything you do really is in sacrifice for your kids or for those around you. It's just a season of giving up a lot of yourself. And I really believe that that's how God intended it. I don't think it needs to be so much the point of hurting a person, but it is like a years of learning what it means to put others' needs before ourselves. It is very sanctifying, very glorifying, very humbling years. In those years where we're forced to go slower and those years where we're forced to focus all of our energy and our growth efforts on somebody else, our leaves are going to probably grow a little bit farther apart. Our personal human leaves are going to be a little bit smaller. And that's okay. Those leaves are still beautiful. They bear some beautiful weight and some beautiful beautiful scars from the things that we're learning in a season that doesn't have quite as much light near us. I'm not a mom, but I absolutely can relate to a season of busyness. And I've seen my friendships and relationships go far apart. And I love that you said that it's beautiful Mm -hmm. even in their scars. That's something that I always feel like I want to hide. And sometimes I've had the biggest breakthrough and the deepest conversations and the most life change when I've actually gone first and said, well, okay, well, I'm going to open up and share this even if I didn't go bravely about it and it just mm-hmm. fell out okay like this is what's going on it's been the most beautiful but God just meets us there and as you're talking about all of this I'm thinking about like Micah 7 I'm like obsessed with the book of Micah and it's chapter 7 how like God meets us in the darkness and he like pulls us out we don't have to do anything he wants to take us and pull us out of the darkness yeah yeah so we talked about adaptive in a big way so the next thing is communicative I like to call them warning signs so when your plant's getting brown spots or yellow leaves, those are really, really common one. Or they're dropping leaves, like it's starting to get a little mushy or wrinkly. Like all of the things that you're like, something isn't right about the way this is growing. I'm not really sure what's going on here, but it's not right. That is what I would consider a warning sign. Those warning signs can typically give us a lot of clues and communicate to us a lot about what is going on with our plant, whether good or whether bad. Even that example I gave earlier of a plant growing big lush leaves versus smaller more sparse leaves, they communicate to us different things. The plant with big lush leaves we already know was in a much higher lit area than the other plant. And so those warning signs tell us a lot of those things too. Pothos are very communicative. The trick with things like a succulent is they're not very communicative. So that is why I think they are just horrible houseplants. Everybody wants a succulent in their home and they're, they're adorable. They're so cute. But I don't think most of the time they're very good houseplants for that reason because you'll think it's doing just fine and then it suddenly dies. Mm. Really, it was telling you something was going on, but it's hard to tell what those signs are if you don't really know what they are. I have a whole episode about that on my podcast. I think it was episode 56 maybe. I will definitely link to that and the other episode that you talked about with the two guys who were the guests on your podcast. I will give them specific links for them to check out to savor those episodes while I can now. And they're not going away. They'll be there as a resource forever and ever. Thank you for taking the time to explain that. It's obvious that you put a lot of work and detail into that. And again, I haven't found a place like that where I can also hear from the heart of God and also hear about nature, which I feel like I'm always trying to learn more about. My goal is to learn more about like big trees in the Bible this year. That has been kind of a slow thing. I just know that God is changing something in my heart where he wants me to really pay attention to what's happening outside. And I remember like he's done this before in my walk. I one time went through a really weird season of anxiety. And I remember talking with a friend, I'm like, God's just asking me to like, look at the trees. She's like, okay. And I'm like, when I'm really anxious, I've just been staring at the trees. Saying I believe that full heartedly. I bet it was like really wonderful. Even in the motion of them like swaying, seeing like how calm they were, comfort of that alone was really healing. I've heard the statistic, patients who have windows that they can see greenery, don't they heal faster? Have you heard that? I've heard of that. I don't know any of the science to back it up, but it doesn't surprise me. Like I wouldn't be shocked to hear that that was true. Well, and there is a lot of science that goes to show, I mean, because our God is a very intentional God. He doesn't just make a thing and then it's done. He makes a thing and then he works his way all the way down to the very bottom, to the tiniest little details, like an atom. There's no need to create an atom. Like, he could have just Mm. made a person or just made a cell. He doesn't need to go that deep, but he does because he's intentional and he's creative and he really, really cares about us. And he wants to give us a place where we can continue to learn. And he wants to show and reveal to us his incredible majesty and his incredible 
glory. And that is one way that he does that for us, which is really cool because he's not fighting against our human nature and our desire to learn and to be creative and to ask like, well, but why? But why? Like instead of him shutting us down, he answers and he shows us why. He makes sense of why for us. And not every time and it's not always as plain, but nature is one way where he does do that in a lot of ways, which is so exciting to me and so, so, so incredibly cool. Like he could have just said like, here's a plant and it lives. You don't need to worry about it. It just lives. But he didn't. He like went through this whole thing to make photosynthesis and all of these cells, all kinds of crazy nonsense that we get to like delight and learn in. Yeah. Such a gift. It's so freaking cool and it makes me very excited. <laughs> I love that. And honestly, one of the things that I immediately was kind of taken back by is your name. Like your name is so organic. It aligns exactly with the passion that you have. So talk about details. Why did your parents name you Dusty? And do you like your name? <laughs> I love my name. I do. I, there's never been a day when I didn't like my name. Most of my siblings, we all have very unique names. And some of my siblings have gone through periods where they really didn't like their name, but I never have. I've always loved my name. It's the funniest story. I was named Dusty because my parents were sitting in like a sub shop, like a subway, but not a subways. They were serving sub sandwiches, talking about names, trying to brainstorm ideas. And at the time they lived in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's actually where I was born. Mm. They were talking and talking and talking. And my mom made like some passive comment and was like, this lettuce tastes really dusty. (laughs) And they were like, Oh my gosh, that's her name. And here I am. Oh my gosh, wow. Crazy that she was eating like a lettuce, like a plant. Dad tells the story. He was like, well, and it's the name of like a G.I. Joe, which it is. There's a G.I. Joe named Dusty. And so that's why he was like, yeah, that's that's a good name. I made a post about this on Instagram this weekend asking people. I saw it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I was curious about that. And I was like, do you like actually like your name? And do you feel like you're walking in calling that God has for your name that when we're given a name that it's for a specific reason there was one lady who commented that her name was Heather and she had done some studying and that Heather is the name or related to the name of a plant that grows in barren land yeah Heather is a plant that grows in like deserts okay so see I didn't know this and so I responded back to her and said that is amazing I had no idea and also can you continue with your story because do you feel like that is exactly like what you're experiencing or you have walked through? I'm kind of eager to hear back from her big treasure your name. That is so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I really love it. And the name Dusty, I'm pretty sure it's English, maybe. I can't remember the actual origin, but it means brave warrior. Oh, wow. Which is really powerful. And uh, all of my like warrior heart wants that to be so true. My youngest daughter's name is Sloane and her name means warrior as well. And I didn't mean that to happen. I fell in love with the name Sloane before we named her Sloane and then we decided on a different name. And then at the last second, I was like, but her name is Sloane. And now it is. And I didn't know at that time that that it meant that. But now she's like the fiercest little two and a half year old you've ever seen. And Warrior is like the perfect name for her. She's just obviously going to grow into that even more. So that's... Oh, yes. Is your other daughter's name Iris? Yeah. Okay. I love that. I mean, why did you specifically name her that? Girl, I love talking about names and their meanings and their incredible spiritual significance. I'm so happy you're talking about this. Oh, cool. I seriously, like, I'm not saying this to be like sarcastic. I really genuinely love it. I get real get fired up about it as well. So Iris is her name. The reason we picked her name, Brian, my husband, really loves U2. I love U2 as well. Like the band U2. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Bono's mother's name was Iris. And in their, late, not latest album, but the second latest, Songs of Experience, I believe, is what the album is called. They released a song called Iris. And it's about the story of his mom. And Bono's mom died in the middle of her dad's funeral. I did not know this. Wow. Yeah, it's like a really intense story. And if you're like, why on earth would you name your kid after that? <laughs> Just hang with me. <laughs> song Iris, it's, go listen to it. It's so beautiful. It's so moving. And it's basically Bono saying this story isn't like, it's not my fault. The weight of this tragedy isn't my fault. And he had been carrying it as if it was his fault for so many years. He was young when this all happened. And it's just a really beautiful song of redemption. And it's a really beautiful song of love. It's a really beautiful song of like self-realization. And we really love the name for that meaning. And also, I just think the name sounds beautiful. We really like older names. Yeah, I love it too. And so that's why we picked it. And then in doing research, and learning like what Iris means after she was born, actually. Iris means, I think it's a Greek goddess name maybe. But anyways, the meaning of Iris means rainbow or or to bring color. Oh yeah. Knowing Iris 
as a four-year-old even, like she's so little still, that is exactly who she is. She is this girl of color. She just brings joy everywhere she goes. She's so silly. Already at four years old, God is molding her into exactly what he wants her to be. And it's just really precious to see him use something as what we would think as like seemingly insignificant as our name Yeah, to do something pretty incredible. Like I think names are so cool because it's the only word in like all of the words in the whole world and all of the hundreds of languages that there are that we get the opportunity to define. Like, yeah, there are some like presets that already come with that name meaning, but we get to choose if we reject them or accept them. Like we get to make them mm-hmm. our own. And that's so powerful. Yeah, it's the starting line for the rest of our life. It's the first thing that we own. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I I always, for the longest time, didn't like my name as I shared. And I always wanted to have something more common, honestly. It wasn't until as a teenager that I read the book Homeless Bird by Gloria Whelan. And it's about this girl named Coley. And it's a little bit of a different spelling. But it totally changed my perspective on my name. And because this girl lived a very daring, brave life. Mm -hmm. She was named Coley. And it was kind of honestly that time of when I knew that I was going to be different than other people. I realized that I could either fight it or I could go with it. And I decided to go with it. And my name has been one of the biggest gifts that I feel like God has given me. And maybe similar to yours as well, because your name is so unique. And I know Mm -hmm. that people often remember the unique names, Uh, you know, on a list of paper. I'm usually the one they're like, oh, Coley. Yeah, I remember Coley. Like I get that all the time. Like, And so I find that to be a gift because I've had many opportunities open up because of my name. Good. I'm so glad. You know what the like background is? What heritage is it from? No. And that's so sad is that I don't. All I know is that when I Google it, I see a soccer player and it's like K-H-O. L-I. I don't know any background. I don't see it. Like it's not a... Yeah, I've never heard of it before. No, yeah. I don't know where to start because I, I've Googled it before, but it's not, it's usually not there. That makes sense. I mean, Google can't tell you if Google doesn't know. It's beautiful nonetheless. What, what a cool place you get to be. You get to be the one that defines that name. Hey friends, I'm interrupting my conversation with Dusty to talk about one of my favorite things besides cold brew coffee, candles. I love filling my home and office space with fragrances that inspire me. I've tried so many scents and styles, but I keep coming back to Gold and Ivy Company. Gold and Ivy candles are all hand-poured in Nashville, Tennessee, made with 100% American soy-grown wax for a clean and eco-friendly burn. Their candles are always vegan, cruelty-free, fall-fate-free, and petroleum-free, so you never have to sacrifice your health for your home fragrance. Plus, they are packaged in the cutest amber-colored jars that will look perfect in any part of your home or office space. Currently burning in my office is the indigo fragrance with notes of black currant, bergamot, and honey. I absolutely love this scent from their spring collection. And my friends at Golden Ivy want you to share in the same experience. They are offering 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code STILLWITHYOU at checkout. Again, this is 20% off your entire purchase when you visit goldenivy.com and use the code STILLWITHYOU. Why settle for less? when you can live in a world lit by candles and snuggled under blankets. Grab your own Gold and Ivy candle today. Visit goldenivy.com and don't forget to use the code still with you at checkout. goldenivy.com you and Brian are doing amazing job at being great parents. Just to hear you even talk about the links that you went to name your children. You guys are doing a great job. You did talk about briefly about how you had a hard delivery with Mm -hmm. daughter. And I wanted to give you time to address that if you wanted to. I would be happy to. Yeah, it is pretty powerful. So I was pregnant with Iris and I was, I don't know, I was 33 weeks. So 40 weeks is full term. 37 weeks is like when you're considered safe to deliver. So if you deliver earlier than that, if you deliver at 37, you're still considered full term, even though it's not really because the baby will be okay. I guess I was 32 weeks and I suddenly got like this overpowering splitting, like the most pain I've ever felt headache. And I like 
fell down and I didn't think anything of it. Brian had just left to take our friend to the airport and my other friends, the friends that actually I was talking to that I had a dream about working at camp and that we're going to go live right next to, um, were in our house and we had just got done with the baby shower with them that my friend had thrown. And so Brian was like 30 minutes down the road and I like get this headache and I'm like, I need to go to the hospital right now. My friend Dexter picked me up and carried me to the car and the hospital was like right down the street. Like it would have taken us longer to call 911 that wow. I wanted to just get in the car and go. It's like three blocks down from our house at the time. We were living in Portland, Oregon then. So we get to the hospital and I'm really short. I'm like 5'3". I'm really, really small, all around small. And it was my very first pregnancy. And so a lot of times in your first pregnancies, you just don't show very much, especially the earlier mm-hmm. in the pregnancy, you don't show very much. And I was 32 weeks at the time, but you couldn't really tell I was really pregnant unless I was wearing like a t-shirt or something. And I was wearing a sweater at the time. So I was pretty baggy. So I could have just had like had a belly, you know, like it was hard to tell. Um, and so I walk up to the counter and the counter was high. It was like up to my chest and I'm small. So all of these things combined. And I'm like telling them like I had this really bad headache and I can't see straight and everything's dizzy. And they were just kind of like passively listening to me and writing things down. Yeah. And I, they're like, okay, well, we'll be with you in just a minute. Cause there was just more pressing things at the time. And so then at, at last second, I turned around and I went like out of habit to just hold my belly for a second. And when I realized like, oh, and I'm pregnant. And then before I knew it, I was being whisked away. I was in a, a wheelchair and they had like, they were starting to take off my clothes and put on like the robes and like going really fast. And Dexter was on the phone with Brian and Brian at that exact moment came rushing in and was the one to push my wheelchair back. And I didn't even mm-hmm. like think, oh, this could all be happening because I'm pregnant. I was thinking they were going to give me some really strong ibuprofen and send me on my way like I did not think that the next 30 days was about to happen like I had no idea what was even in store we were in the hospital for about I don't know three or four hours and my head was still pounding it was still the amount of pain they hadn't done anything at all to address my headache and I was like so mad I was like I'm here for my headache why are you doing everything else like what is happening and so the doctor comes in and says something to the effect of like well by now I'm sure you know you're staying here for a while and Brian and I were like um no we have no idea what's happening why is she staying like why am I here. The doctor sat down and explained to me what was going on and they said they think that I might have preeclampsia. So preeclampsia is when your blood pressure yeah. is really, really low. Um, and it's basically your body being allergic to the baby. It's like sudden. And it's really common in young women and it's really common in older women. And I fit that young women category. We're in the hospital for three or four days and they put you on magnesium. And the magnesium is supposed to stop seizures. The preeclampsia is all the things that happen up to a seizure and the seizure makes it eclampsia. So their doctor's whole goal is just to keep it in preeclampsia. Because if you have a seizure while you're pregnant, it's very likely that you or your baby will die. Like it's just probably going to happen, especially the baby. Sometimes the baby lives with a lot of mental health problems that can come. Sometimes it's fine. So like it's really a mixed bag. They don't know what causes it. It's just really hard and it doesn't happen to a lot of women. And then I also had something called HELP syndrome, which happens to like 2% of pregnant women in the world. And you can look up what all the letters mean. I can't honestly remember now. I barely remember that day. But so I had help syndrome and preeclampsia and we were in the hospital for three days and the magnesium I was on makes you feel like you have the flu, but like heavier. I couldn't pick up my juice box and bring it to my mouth to take a drink. Like I was too weak to bring it to my mouth. Brian had to like hold it for me. And I could, I had enough strength to like suck the juice out of the juice box, but that was it. Like I couldn't do anything. Oh my goodness. I I felt like I was a vegetable. Like I just couldn't move. Thinking a sentence to like say to Brian took all of my energy and it was a hard couple of days, but they said, it looks like you're in the clear. You can go ahead and pack up your bags and head home. And we were like, praise Jesus. So they took me off magnesium and I had been off magnesium for just a couple of hours and I was starting to pack up and it was immediately starting to feel a little bit better because I was off that magnesium. I was still hooked up to the like uh, monitors to see if I was having contractions. And as I was packing, I was starting to get contractions. I couldn't really feel them. I didn't feel any pain. I, I felt a little bit of twinges of discomfort, but I thought that these were Braxton Hicks, which are like fake contractions that your body does to like prepare you for the real contractions. And so I didn't think anything of it. And then like four doctors come running into the room and they're like, you have to have a C-section now. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm going home. I'm fine. <laughs> You're wrong. Mm-hmm. Iris's heart rate was dropping really fast with each contraction. Even though they were such light, minor contractions, my body was trying to just get rid of iris is what was happening. And that's the only way you can really cure, I guess, preeclampsia is just get the baby out and then you don't have seizures and then you're fine. We rushed to the C-section, have an emergency C-section, which was scary and horrifying. I was the kind of person who always knew she wanted to be 
a mom. I wanted to be a mom. That was going to be my everything. Yeah. So I had learned so much about the process of childbirth, about the process of what it means to be a mom from a young age. Like I didn't plan my wedding. I planned what motherhood would look like. And even in that situation, I never once looked into what it meant to have a C-section because I was so pigeonholed into thinking, well, I'm just not going to have a C-section, so I don't need to learn about that. Mm-hmm. And oh my sweet Lord, I wish that I would have at least read something on the process because it all was so rushed. It was all so scary. I can't even imagine. Women who have babies of any kind, like, so brave. <laughs> it's really hard, yeah. And I wish I could sugarcoat it and tell you it's all beautiful. And it is beautiful in its own right, but it's hard. It was so scary. So I'm really small, and Brian is really really big. He is like six foot six, I think maybe six foot six foot six. Yeah. And um really, really broad. He's like a very broad six foot six man. You all are adorable together. I feel like you comp extreme. I feel a little bit like a cartoon character standing next to him. <laughs> so he's really huge. And we couldn't find scrubs to fit him to be able to come to the OR with me. And I remember fixating on that. I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't think about anything except I was like, if Brian doesn't have scrubs, I'm not doing this. And she's like, honey, you're doing this either way. You do this or you die. And they fixed it he was able to be in the room with me that's a whole other story in and of itself so the baby is born iris is healthy which is really rare because she's seven weeks early that's very premature but she didn't need cpap so cpap is like forced air that helps the baby breathe and she didn't even need that like she was healthy she was strong which is like from the get-go such a huge gift and then they had to rush her off i got to hold her for like a couple of seconds they pushed her up against my face and then they had to rush off with her so i didn't even get to see her and i remember i'm like numb my whole body I can't move it but so she's fine the next day or maybe it was just a few hours I can't honestly remember I had three seizures back to back wow was that a connection with the because you couldn't feel that part of your body was that in connection with the seizures um no by that time I could feel my body and I was starting to like wake up a little bit I was sleeping and then I would wake up and get a little energy and in the middle of sleeping I had my first seizure I don't remember any of it like I didn't even know I had had three seizures until after I left the hospital because with each seizure I would forget everything I forgot I had a baby I forgot I was ever pregnant I forgot I was in the hospital I would like wake up like I was in the movie 50 first dates every time Mm -hmm. and Brian would have to like talk me through and he would show me pictures of Iris and every time I'd be sobbing because I felt like this horrible mom who forgot her baby moments after delivering her and then I'd be like well wait if I had this baby why is she in the other wing of the hospital she was like in a completely different wing from me it was just really 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 hard and I think I still have a lot of trauma and a little heartbreak around it God has healed me so much to a point where I feel very confident in sharing this story, but I don't know if I'll ever reach a point where it doesn't feel painful to talk about in a little bit. It was so hard. And I'm really grateful though, because God kept Iris safe. Like a lot of people's stories don't end that way. They don't get to nurse their baby later on. And I don't have good words to say why that is. I don't understand why that's the way God has designed the world. And it breaks my heart. I do know that even in trauma and even in heartbreak and even in such horrific tragedy as losing a child or potentially losing your own life, God does redeem all things. Like time and time again, God has shown me through my own story, through the stories of my really dear close friends who've had hard stories in their own right, God does redeem all things. And Entering into a place of parenthood, especially, it's just never going to be what you expect. And I guess my words would be like, don't be fearful of it, though. Let's be real. (laughs) There is a justifiable reason to be afraid of those things. We get our strength and we can have courage because God is with us and God redeems all things. My story is really hard and it's um, hard to tell to people because I'm fearful that it's going to leave them tainted and it's going to shift their view of what it means to be a mom or shift their view of what it means to be a parent or what whether or not they should have kids. But I think that the lesson to be taken away from that is like, God refined me and has built such a beautiful, strong connection and relationship between Brian and I, between Iris and I, especially because we went through that trauma together. That's her story too. It's big time her story. Like it will really shape who she is and what she grows up to be, how she views the world. And if we can show her God's love through that, oh man, like God is going to reveal his story in the midst of our total like loss and brokenness. And so it's really beautiful. I think too, my something I love to follow up with, I know this is a long story, but second daughter Sloan had to be born via C-section too. It was an emergency. I got to do my makeup beforehand and curl my hair. <laughs> walked into there and I was like, I'm having a baby today. And I look 
fabulous. Um, and so God, I think really gave me a gift in that delivery. Like both of those delivery were gifts in such different ways. I got to have like a clear partition when I had the C-section. So they do the whole C-section. You can't see anything because you're like too weak to even pick up your head anyway. So I don't see like guts or anything, but I had a clear partition. I actually said, no, I don't want it at first. And then as soon as I could hear Sloan crying, I was like, I want the clear, I want the clear. And so the nurses, there was two extra nurses in there and they rushed really fast to put the clear up partition for me. And they pushed her up all gripping wet from right out of my body and pushed her right up against my face. And it was the most precious moment. She like reached up and grabbed my cheekbone and I got to like actually have her on my chest the whole time they were like sewing me up I just felt like it was such a gift and that's all I wanted that's the only reason I didn't want a c-section is because I wanted to be able to have that chest to chest time I wanted to be able to hold my baby I didn't want to have to like have that separation I was so fearful of that separation God filled in those gaps in every single step of the way and ways I didn't expect and in using the people around me and using our church and God really does redeem all things yeah and I feel like you know how to love really well you're a very good mom it's evident like you love kids well you love plants you love, <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful to know yeah. you for sure and thank you so much for sharing that like you said I know that can't be easy thank you I know that that's gonna reach someone and speak to someone and I hope so yeah the light from your story is gonna help someone grow well and I'm grateful for you doing that and for the work you do is there anything that you want to share that we might haven't covered or anything that you'd like to add before I ask you like final question no not that I can think of if so totally jump in, obviously. The podcast is called Still With You. So take this question however you wish to. I just would like to know, where is God still with you? God is still with me in the waiting. There are some things that we are waiting for even now at this moment that I can't quite talk about yet. I know that there will be a time when I can talk about it. The last year and a half of me not knowing where God wanted me and feeling uncomfortable in my own skin of that year of waiting, like God was still with me that whole time. And I think the thing I keep reminding myself of is that I have never been upset about waiting once the waiting is done. Wow. In the middle of waiting, I'm pretty upset. Yeah. But once the waiting is done, I can look back and be like, man, God is so sovereign. God was with me that entire time. And he was prepping me for this exact moment. And in the middle of that period of waiting, it feels so cliche. It feels like worthless, empty encouragement. And it feels frustrating because we're not getting what we want. And I think saying not getting what we want trivializes it. It's like an oversimplification of wanting really good things and praying for things that God asks us to pray for and still not seeing the thing that we've been promised. But yeah, I think that, yeah, God is still with me in the waiting. I think that many people can relate to that because I think we're all waiting on something, even if it's not something super obvious, you know. Well, if anything, we're waiting to get home to our God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. This whole world is our waiting. We're all waiting. Man, you're like hitting my heart chords. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That we're all on our journey to go back home. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Man, kind of teared up. I've like cried. (laughs) I've laughed. It's just a whole episode. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm going to send everybody in your direction and I'm going to get a golden pace. Passos? Passos? I'm going to get a pathos. Pathos. Oh, I was about to say like pesos. Like it's not. It's also called devil's ivy. And the reason behind that common name is like it's impossible to kill. So people say. Um, So that's easier to say. And people usually know what you mean by devil's ivy. So I'm going to get one of those and I am going to continue listening to all the things that you have to say and share. And I just want to say this, that as I've been hearing how your story is playing out, I feel like God is not done growing you yet. Just hearing your obedience to go back to Black Lake Bible Camp and your obedience of had the dream of the brick and mortar space and, you know, even with the podcast, different things. Mm-hmm. I can tell that you're being obedient. I think it's going to be fun to be your friend just to watch how God continues to grow you and whatever that looks like. Thank you for inviting us into that, into even the letting go and the moving into something else, the breaking camp. I feel like it's such a sacred space and such a honor, honestly, when people let us into the real. You definitely are doing that. Just thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to speak with me and share with us all the things that you've taken so much time and hard work to learn i just value it so much thank you now i'm tearing up (laughs) oh 
my goodness, guys, is Dusty not a gift? Do you not just want to run and add a little bit of greenery to your home? Yes, that is me. I'm going to find my own houseplant this week and have Dusty walk alongside me in this new journey of growth and learning more about my own health along with the health of a houseplant. Growing is so important and I love that she is speaking about it. If you would love to connect with Houseplant Academy and our friend Dusty Hagee, would you please visit her website, DustyHagee.com, or you can connect with her on social media at Dusty Hagee. All of the ways that you can reach out to her will be in the show notes that you can find on my website, ColeyBrowning.com. Any references that are made found on any podcast episode are in the show notes for you to go and check out whether that's the name of a song, a movie, the information from all of our friends who share on the show are there. You won't have any trouble navigating where to find them and it's so much fun to be able to do that. I love how all of our friends are so open to connecting. So make sure you say thank you to them for coming on Still With You, just like I'm so grateful for Dusty and all of the good work that she is doing. You can find this all at ColeyBrowning.com. And as always, my handle is ColeyBrowning on social media, K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning like the rifle. I would love to connect and encourage you in any way that I can. The music that you're listening to in the background is from our sweet friend, Lily Gray. You can find all of her music on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you stream. Make sure you listen to her album. It's all beautiful right here. It is one of my favorites that I play on repeat. You can also find more information at lilygaray.com. Make sure you guys go and connect with her. This is a holiday week. For some of you, this means a little bit of a longer weekend. Go out and do something fun. Hang out with your family if it's possible. If you're still in your home, consider getting a houseplant and enjoy every single day that God gives us. It is such a gift. Be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you. Uh